Hello, Dragoons. This is Sergeant Major Burke, and this episode is going to be about First Sergeants. Uh, so this is a fourth installment of our leadership series. You need to have somebody in your order of the room that it hurts when you initially move them. You're going to have a lot of times as a First Sergeant when you need to step in and correct a lieutenant. The First Sergeant really is the most senior person in that company. If we're scheduling SRP rodeos, we haven't managed our people properly. When it comes to decision-making, I don't want to make any decisions without my first sergeant's input. If you had to tell a first sergeant one thing right now, what would you tell them? Being a first sergeant is an impossible task, meaning the level of expectations or requirements can never be met. As a first sergeant, everybody wants the information, wants to task you, comes to you with their problems, internal and external of the organization. So how are you possibly gonna succeed at this level of leadership. The goal of this episode is to provide you some insight that can help all leaders understand the amount of weight and expectations that first sergeants have. So before I kind of get started, I'm gonna go around the horn and let everybody introduce themselves. My name is Sergeant Major Chris Carbone. I'm currently serving as the 3-2 Command Sergeant Major, Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Uh, I did my first sergeant time in JBLM Washington, where I served with the 1-2 Striker Brigade in an infantry company, along with the uh, brigade headquarters. All right, sir. My name is Major Ryan Menina. I'm the Deputy Operations Officer for 2CR. Prior to this assignment, I did company command time at 4th ID, 223 Infantry, and 138 Infantry. My name is First Sergeant Jason Renato, Charlie Medical Troop First Sergeant. Um, scalpel medics. Mule skinners, right? Mule skinners. All right, cool. Just in the spirit of things, I was the first sergeant of Charlie Company 275, JBLM Washington, uh, from 2014 to 2016. I uh, just aged myself a little bit. Where I want to dive into first is I want to talk about character. And here's why. When you think of a first sergeant standing in front of a troop, that is the senior NCO that is responsible for the standards and the discipline of the organization. And in order to do that, you need to have good character. So first, you need to be morally and ethically sound. Second, you need to be authentic. You need to be an authentic leader and authentic in your engagements. And then last, you need to have passion and compassion. So thinking about those three different kind of things, why do you think it's important when we talk about leadership in general, but specifically to first arts? It's important to me, uh, particularly compassion. Being able to have conversations with soldiers is uh, the things that I really love about being a first sergeant. A couple of weeks ago, a soldier came into the office and I had a uh, my whiteboard in there and I had some stuff posted on there, just different stuff that I'm studying. He asked a question and then that ended up turning into a deeper conversation. And, and actually the soldier ended up having um, some real issues outside of the army, really heavy stuff on his mind and on his heart that he had talk to nobody about. And at that point, for me, as a first sergeant, I got out of the mentality of first sergeant. This is Jason talking now. Let's talk about your problems. I'll tell you, after about an hour, we had a really good conversation. And that really built a bond with that soldier, uh -huh. which was super important because he has the ear of a lot of the other junior enlisted within uh, the troop. He's a shadow governor. So he has yep. a lot of influence. And so it was really helpful to me to let them know that I, because I know he's going to go back and tell others, well, first aren't will really listen to you and, and really cares about what you have to say. So there's a couple different things that I want to talk about there. One is that shadow governor. As a first aren't, you got to find that guy. Mm -hmm. And it's it, it, sometimes it, it might actually, there might actually exist a few, you know, mm -hmm. there might be that 
platoon sergeant, that if the platoon sergeant says, hey, that's a good idea, first sergeant, then all the other platoon sergeants are like, that's a good idea, first sergeant. Or it might be that specialist that can kind of mask the population. Mm -hmm. And you got to find that guy, connect with him, just like you talked about. But also, as a first sergeant, you are the heart of the organization, specifically when we're talking about culture and climate. If you are truly that senior NCO, you're never too busy to sit down and have a genuine conversation with a soldier, okay? And you show that your concerns, your needs are now mine, and I'm going to help you, that will transcend. So it's important to kind of set that tone. Yeah, I think you made a great point there with the the fact that the first sergeant is the guy with the most experience. And his number one responsibility, his number one duty in the troop or the company is to train. If you don't have that character, if you don't show that character and demonstrate it to the soldiers in the troop, uh, you're going to lose a lot of your credibility and then you're going to be hamstrung in your ability to train. Because when you say something, you're lacking that credibility and the soldiers don't respond. And I think the other piece of that is that experience comes with perspective. And mm, yeah. nowadays, I think a lot of our younger soldiers don't have the combat experience and they don't have the perspective on why we do a lot of the things we do. The first sergeant as the most experienced warfighter in that element, mm -hmm. he's got to provide that perspective. And, and once again, if he doesn't have the credibility because he doesn't have a genuine way of engaging with and relating to the soldiers, they're not going to receive that perspective in the same way. You know, how many years had you been in the army when you took command, sir? Seven years. That's actually pretty senior for a troop commander. Most of them are about five, maybe six. And the average first sergeant has anywhere from 12, and we have first sergeants right now that have 18 years. So the experience level is twice as much, sometimes almost three times as much. Coming back to that training aspect of it, they've been through so many rotations, you know, CTC rotations, deployments, training cycles, and everything else. In the entire squadron, the only people that have more experience than those first sergeants is probably the squadron commander and the squadron CSM. So I appreciate, sir, that, that you said that actually. Um, today, yeah. I went into one of my platoon offices and I had a seat and I just sat next to two of my, my most junior privates. And I said, hey, look, here's my goal for you guys. I have all of this experience and at some point I'm going to be out of the army. All of this experience is going to go away because I'm probably not going to be around army people after this. So my goal is I've made mistakes in the past in terms of being a combat medic, doing medicine in all sorts of operations. My goal for, for them is that they would not make those same mistakes. And, and hopefully they do better than I did as a junior enlisted soldier. When I think of character of a first sergeant, though, I mean, the things that come to my mind are what you had already talked about, sir, experience and then empathy. The first sergeant really is the most senior person in that company. There's a gap between age time and service with a company commander, platoon leaders, and that first sergeant. The experiences that that first sergeant may or may have had in his or her life, he has to or she has to have some empathy when they deal with some complex problems. That is a big gap for our sergeant first classes moving into that position. But the responsibility that a first sergeant has is unbelievable in what he or she may be able to create culturally um, with the climate and the impacts that they can have. So those are the two things that really spark to me when, yeah. it, when it comes to command and climate. You know, so every one of these leadership episodes that we've done, I've talked about three focal areas for all these different tiers of leadership. So these are taken from behind the colors uh, by Sergeant Major Retired Schroeder. So when you talk about a first sergeant, the three focus areas are manage, mentor, develop, and forecast. So coming to that management piece and coming back to the original thing that I talked about in the intro, the amount of tasks that a troop has. The fact that the first aren't, it's impossible for you to accomplish everything. 
at the end of the day, when you walk out the door every single day as a first sergeant, you did not accomplish everything you needed to. How does a first sergeant operationalize their troop? Because there's that staff overmatch. The battalion and the squadron has an entire staff. The regiment or the brigade has a trained staff, second time staff. There's all that staff overmatch, pushing down all that information, pushing down all that training guidance, pushing down all those taskings. What are some of the kind of the tips that you've seen at the at the troop level to help as a first sergeant kind of manage all that stuff? I use the analogy that Sergeant Major Gunn gave to me back before I left first SFAB. He said, as a first sergeant, just picture you having this plate. If you let that those mashed potatoes with gravy fall off, that's one thing that you're failing at That because there's so much to do. So what he said is, you have to look at your plate and decide what you want on your plate because stuff is going to fall off. And that's just going to be on, on you and your commander based on, on what you need to do for the unit to, in order to make it better. That's a very important point. Sometimes the commander and you, you just have to make the decision. I'll tag on to that too. I think a lot of it has to do with the first sergeant and the commander and the way they engage with the battalion or squadron commander and other people outside the unit. If you listen closely, your squadron commander is going to tell you in some way what it's okay to fail at. He or she will at least tell you what it's definitely not okay to fail at. Right. And so when you're making those decisions, you can make informed decisions. You do have to, in some respect, accept that you're going to drop some of those balls. But the other piece, I think, is putting the right processes and systems in place. Mm. You can do that at, at the company and troop level. I think it's even more important because, as you noticed, our major, there's not enough people to pick up when a system fails and to just put it on their back and make it happen. So the, the systems have to be there to where certain things just can't fail. And then the other piece is... And this is kind of a hard part, I think, for people making the transition from the platoon level of leadership to the company or troop level is where you start to sort of get a little bit of a taste of that organizational leadership where you're, right. you're no longer able to do everything yourself. Yep. There are certain things that a commander or first sergeant can just accomplish by the sheer force of their own will. Mm. And there are other things that they have to do by leading through other leaders, yep. those platoon leaders, platoon sergeants, et cetera. Uh, that's where we get into the develop piece and developing those junior leaders to make things happen for you. Having a strong orderly room. I have a couple of guys in the orderly room right now. They're pretty intelligent guys. I'll tell you, having them in there is is a godsend because they really lighten the load for me. It's like you were talking about shadow governor. One of those guys is my shadow governor. He's got the ear of the troop, but they have these systems in place that if I were just to fall out today and, and not make it out of this podcast because Sergeant Major is giving me those looks, I know that no my orderly would, room... <laughs> no one would notice for a couple of days because exactly. the troop would keep them moving. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I mean, a good sign of your leadership is what happens when you're not around. You need to have somebody in your order of the room that it hurts when you initially move them because they're just a superstar. The other thing I would add when we talk about the system, systems need to be communicated across the formation. A person cannot be a system. If the person's a system, that means when you pull that person out or that person is unavailable, then the system doesn't work. The system has to be communicated across a formation. Um, everybody knows how to contribute to it. Everybody knows how to access the information that's produced by it so that at any time somebody can go, boop, need this information or boop, need this, you know, and they know where to find it. So coming back to uh, the mentor and the development piece, sir, you were uh, you were going to talk about that. When I was a company commander, I viewed my relationship with my first sergeant as a two-way mentorship relationship. Okay. There were certain things about being a company commander that I just had never been exposed to. I was fortunate, especially with my last first sergeant. I had a lot to learn from those guys. In the same respect, I was trying to train my platoon leaders to be company commanders. I wanted them to be able to replace me. 
the way that I viewed my relationship with my first sergeant was that was a joint effort. I needed him to help me with that as well. And part of it is is helping to identify strengths and weaknesses, competencies, and potential of, of the junior officers in the company and the junior NCO leaders as well. And then making recommendations about what they needed for their professional and personal development. You know, one of the first things that a new first sergeant should do is, is help the commander come up with an assessment of where does this company stand? Where do the junior leaders in the company stand? And what kind of development goals do we need to set for the company to bring them along and, and get the company or the troop to where we want it to be? So what I've been telling first sergeants I've been talking to them about lately is when you are coming up with that kind of mentorship philosophy, ask yourself the question of what do you want the troop to be? Maybe it's, you know, professionalism, integrity, accountability, you know, whatever it is, and then build that structure off that. Because a lot of times what we try to do is we just try to do all these things, but don't really accomplish anything. And I think when it goes along that mentorship, the interaction that that first sergeant has daily with the platoon leaders and those platoon sergeants, it's almost an LPD every single day. Yeah, It's 24-7. And I'm not saying that I told my platoon leaders, you will come to me before going to the company commander, but they kind of understood after a while, let me just go and get some quality control. Let me make sure I'm on the right path before I go into the boss's office because I might be able to go, you're on it perfect or hey, you may want to look at this based on what you're thinking of doing with your platoon because it, it could go left or right. When we talk mentorship, that's a revolving door almost in that first sergeant's office with you and the XO run the company so that the commander can command the company. Right. Yes, he will have mentorship and he will want to talk to the PLs about things. But if you can get them on the right track. I think a key to that, too, when it comes especially to the junior officers is being approachable. You're going to have a lot of times as a first sergeant when you need to step in and correct a lieutenant yeah. or give them some kind of professional development. There's got to be a way that you do that where the where the lieutenant can save face because if you if you do that in a way that professionally embarrasses him in front of his platoon, then he loses credibility and then he doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. And I've seen that happen and and it results in a relationship between the first sergeant and the lieutenants in the company where you don't get any of that interaction engagement that you were just talking about. If you create this culture that we we kind of have been talking about where people come to you with the hardest problems, the amount of problems that you will prevent from becoming issues as a first aren't, um, will save you so much time because people feel comfortable talking to you. I think it goes back and I think what you were saying is being that genuine leader. Anybody can see through that stuff with the first sergeant or anybody that you talk to because it, you can just tell by their mannerisms that they don't care. But if you take that time and invest that interest at anybody that comes through your office or that you're engaging with as a first sergeant, it can pay tenfold. But you're right. You can easily affect a platoon leader, which will totally destroy the company. When you talk about a platoon leader, this is their first army experience. And if you set the expectation that the senior NCO is unapproachable, um, all you're going to get is snide comments. Or when they do something wrong, you're going to attack them in front of everybody, embarrass them and humiliate them. Going forward, that PL is going to have a perspective about first arms. And it's going to take somebody down the road And it could potentially be six years from now for somebody to fix that kind of perspective and say, oh, wow, okay, they are approachable. Yeah, they are part of my mentorship process. Wow, they have valuable input. They're important in my professional development. And as we talk about development, I think the other, there is definitely a difference between an HHT first sergeant and a line first sergeant. And and you got to let them go to grow. 
You take that really good S1 clerk, but they may need to go to the regiment. They may need to go to the division. You got to let them go so they can develop and come back and be that very good squadron level S1 NCOIC that understands the bigger picture. And it's really hard to develop those individuals because I just know for me, oh, I sent all these troopers to ranger school. Now they got to go to the scout platoon. And it's like, do I want to send them to ranger school? Because I'm just going to lose them. But I had to understand it was better for them. They got to see a different perspective. And that kind of ties into that development piece that Sometimes a young first sergeant really doesn't understand. And if they do, they are on it. And I think that ties perfectly into what do first sergeants struggle with? And it also ties into kind of that forecast piece as well. You as a first sergeant, you're not just focused on your troop. You could make your troop the best troop that ever existed. But guess what? It's not your troop just out there doing its own thing. You are part of a larger organization. So as a first sergeant, if they are not working collectively with the other first sergeants, the staff up at the battalion, and communicating across the formation, then they will continue to struggle. Because a lot of stuff, you're fighting for information, especially about what's relevant and what's important. You're going to find that out from your peers. You're going to find that out from the conversations and the relationships you maybe have with the S3 or the, you know, the training NCIC up at the battalion. And I tell first sergeants this all the time. You as a first sergeant, your job's not emails, phone calls, and administrative functions. That is a part of your job. But if you're finding yourself as the first sergeant, just glued to your desk and that's all you ever do, you are failing at your job. I hope my commander heard what you just said, Sergeant Major, because sometimes my emails go unread. Uh, so there you yeah. go, ma'am. You heard it from me, man. Okay. Regimental Sergeant Major. But but what <laughs> the, the greater point is everything comes at a price. You know, we're trying to plan for this exercise and we're trying to really get more training out in the field. And the price right now and that, I, that I'm, I'm personally struggling with right now I don't have that time on the calendar to be able to get all my NCOs in because at every single day I can look at my troop to task and say at least 50% of my NCOs are either tasked or they're doing this. And, and I know that's a struggle everybody in the army goes through. You just have to accept, I'm sorry, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. You have to accept first aren't that you will never ever have a perfect scenario where you will Absolutely. have all your NCOs. Best time you probably will ever have that is right before Christmas. Yeah. December is when you're going to probably be able to get all your NCOs together. The mm -hmm. rest of the time, 30% is enough of a percent. And you just have to understand that the solution is that you're constantly doing them. And you hope that the knowledge is shared, mm -hmm. but eventually over a 90-day period, 120-day period, you will have some form of LPD with all the NCOs within your troop. All right. So talking about a lot of different stuff. Best first arm story. Somebody go. First arm Mullenbeck. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, so wait a minute. I just, uh, no, we have a rule on the podcast. You can't talk about any of my predecessors in this podcast. Come on, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, you know, he goes by time. Kevin now. Yes, he goes by Kevin. Actually, I had a conversation with him on Friday. Oh, uh, really? I'm yeah. sure he did. Yeah. But what I really appreciate about him, and I got to know him back in 2006, and I was a young sergeant, just gung ho about getting out of the army. I'm done. I'm getting out. Goodbye. See you later. Sergeant Major Molenbeek on the back end of a uh, of a Yakima training rotation, we had a conversation and eventually the conversation ended up into me saying, you know, I'm going to go talk to reenlistment. I'm going to, you, you're right first, aren't I? I'm gonna, and it wasn't 
anything particular that he did. He was approachable, but he did love his jokes. And, and I remember those because it really lightened the mood around the troop. But but you also knew when he was going to be serious, too. So uh, he he was like, hey, I'll, I'll let you uh, you can go to school for six or for for the summertime. You can just take a full course load. We'll leave you alone. Do your thing. And then or you can come on to Germany, which set me up for success in the future, because now I have a master's degree. And I attribute a lot of that to him letting me do that and, and planting or watering the seed. Ah, uh, so Sar Major Mullenbeck is the reason I have to deal with that. <laughs> exactly right. Thanks a lot, Kevin. <laughs> so I've known Sar Major Mullenbeck since 2009 when I worked with him up at UW. Talking about uh, the, the forecast piece a bit, what's some, uh, what's some tips you would give for a first art? How would you tell them to forecast so that they are predictive and not reactive. We can just take a look at the chief of staff of the Army's top priority, and, and, and that's people first. Really, that's, that is what makes the Army run. You have got to forecast and try to look eight weeks out, even longer, because that's probably the first time that you are having to do that in your formation, because it is very easy to be at the platoon level and below and just react every single day. You can do that. But now you're the person putting out with your company commander mission orders. You know, you're doing the eight step training model. You're doing all of these things that if you are not forecasting out and giving predictability, you're getting bad training, expect what you don't inspect and all of those things. And it'll have that trickle down effect. That is the difficult piece because there are systems that you may not have the staff that you need, but you have an entire troop of people that can help you to look deep. The easiest one, med pros and medical readiness. We should not be fighting the knife fight. We should be fighting 90 days out and beyond and yeah. being predictive and what's going to happen because you can match that up to the long range training calendar, short range training calendar and, and go, OK, I know when I can get my medical appointments and I can look left and right to my brother and sister companies or troops and say, OK, I need to attack PHA this week. I'm glad you said that, Sergeant Major, particularly about uh, the, the medical readiness. And, and this this is just a pet peeve of mine. People say, oh, let's let's schedule these SRP rodeos. It's like if we're scheduling SRP rodeos, we haven't managed our people properly. And it creates it's a cliff. Yeah. That's the thing I don't like about like rodeos like that. That means one year from now, exactly. six months from now, yeah. whatever we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have to do something similar Same again thing. because all those people are going to go red. Yeah. Now, I think that's I think that's good. And you as a first arm, you know, I've had first arms before that say, you know, well, hey, I, you know, Sergeant Major, I just want to bring this to your attention. You know, we're we're about to have this happen. We're about to go red on all this stuff. And it's like, wait a second, they're yeah. a big guy. It's not like, a surprise. They, this should not have been a surprise. You should have seen this train coming. So let me ask you, Sergeant Major, and then uh first arm or did you do staff before you took command or before you were a first arm? No. Okay, did you? <laughs> yes. Sir, did you obviously? Or I spent you? about five months on the battalion staff. Okay. Before. So that's not a ton. The reason I bring that up is that it ties into the forecasting piece. Mm -hmm. Serving on staff helps you understand your organization, but also helps you understand the people that you need to know to solve X problem. It doesn't matter where you serve on staff, you're going to do staff syncs. And therefore, you're going to learn who's in charge of what, how what works, how it needs to work, and everything else. And that will help you when you're a first sergeant. So I did almost two years on the battalion staff as a training NCYC before I went down to the first sergeant. So when I went down as a first sergeant, I knew 
you know, a lot of the things that were coming, I could turn and say, okay, I have X problem. I called this individual to solve it. And I also had the relationships with all these different yeah. individuals. Well, but I think that's what ties into that developmental piece. Yeah. Because as a platoon sergeant, I mean, I'll be honest, I just thought my first sergeant in XO just dropped off ammo and food. Like that just somehow mysteriously appeared. I didn't realize you had to like put in the order for it a certain amount of time before. You didn't know what yeah. bricks and, meant. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and then there was a, a document to get ammo. There, there were all of these things that had to happen forecasting i just I, I just tell you i want ammo and it shows up mysteriously Crazy you know uh, but i think that goes and ties into the developmental piece that i'm not saying didn't happen is just timing of where i went yeah. but that would have helped me tremendously of understanding the larger picture of what the staff has to do in order to get the things that i need i, I got to uh, i had the opportunity to work in staff at the brigade level that's the only uh, staff time i've done uh, and i've done hospital time but it didn't really totally different just completely yeah, different that's yeah, it's completely different. But I, but I got to work at, uh, so I was the, the med ops over at First SFAB. That being my first staff job, I learned a lot about planning and working with officers. But if I can just, just I'm just going to deviate just a little bit. I, I just want to talk about, because I think there's a great chasm between the stuff that captains to majors learn uh, on the staff and then from a sergeant first class into a master sergeant, there is a just huge divide in the amount of stuff that that the officers learn between those two ranks compared to what a sergeant first class learns wow. as a master sergeant. So NCOs don't insert themselves enough into those staff processes, which is why whenever a lot of folks that do get staff time, if they do, and they end up as a first sergeant, they understand a lot of the systems and processes that go with being a brigade level or, or a battalion level staff. We can't assume that people know. And sometimes the assumption is, oh, that's a master sergeant. They, they went to MLC. Maybe they know something about staff work. Yeah. MLC didn't teach me anything about staff work. Everything no. I learned was sitting down with the Well, they with didn't the even have MLC. It wasn't all the time, but at least once a quarter, even when I was a first sergeant, I'd go sit in a staff sink. And I'd sit in the back and I would it'd be not a contributing factor in the least bit. But I would sit there just to hear what the battalion was talking about and the conversations that were being had and what people were thinking. Because then also what would come up during some of those discussions would be maybe a little bit of dirty laundry too about, hey, you tracking that this, you know, Seco's late on this. So I need to look into that and I need to see why we're late on that or we're not, you know, up to par where we need to be. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. And I would just say, first time you're absolutely right. My experience, especially in the infantry, I think this is a big problem is that at the battalion or squadron level, NCOs do not want to be a part of the staff. In many cases, rightly so, because units don't approach those assignments the right way. Okay. But it's seen as a place where your broke guys go or the the NCOs who don't really have yeah, a future in the absolutely. unit. Uh, then the ones that do come to the staff, because they're not looking at it as a development opportunity, MDMP, the planning process, all the staff processes really are like anathema to them. They don't, they don't want to touch it. They don't want to be a part of it. And of course, the best uh, sergeants first class that I've worked with in those kinds of settings are the ones who throw themselves into it. And and just like anything else they do in the army, they want to learn it, they want to master it, but some of them just don't. Some of them just don't do that, and then they're missing out on a huge opportunity that would make them a much better first sergeant when they go into that job. I mean, I think when I look at a company battery or troop, there are faces to those statistics. A first sergeant can look, you know, his med pros and or whatever those numbers are that battalions or regiments are pulling and put names to every one of those numbers. And, and yeah, so I, I, I really think the hardest piece is when you have that stellar soldier that makes a mistake. Mm. And and I mean, a mistake that requires a UCMJ action, something like that. And you 
you have to look at it through the lens of, you know, what's good for this trooper or this NCO, what's good for the unit and what's good for the army. There has been times where that was very hard. Not that, you know, it's uh, hard for all three to align. it, It is. And you have to really take a step back and look at it kind of objectively of that situation because people do make mistakes. But was this mistake uh, to the point that they can no longer serve in the military? Uh, Do they have a chance to recover? Once again, I didn't make major mistakes when I was a young private, but I can tell you, if you were to look at me 20 years ago, there would be no way that you would ever go. This guy would ever be a sergeant's major. But my first sergeant took, you know, that turd and shined it up. And he (laughs) took that time to engage with me and do things to really help me. So, you know, I kind of went in a different direction of of talking what a first sergeant did for me, you know, because you're not going to get a problem into your office or uh, have to deal with a problem that's just clear, cut and dry. Those are too easy. Platoon sergeants, they can handle those. You're going to get the one that's complex. You know, your ethical, you know, reasoning and everything behind is going to be called into play. And that character is going to really come out. But I think, you know, those were the most challenging for me as that that late night phone call and and taking a moment back and, and sitting, analyzing that situation and taking a look at what's good for that trooper the unit in the army. I think in order for a first sergeant to be do, be able to do that, you have to kind of reverse the three that you just said. You have to, as a first sergeant, ask you know, what's the best for the army, what's best for the unit, and then what's best for the soldier. Every name, you could see the face. You could probably think of a good story about him or something that he did was awesome or something that was funny or anything else because at that level, you know, you do know most of the people in your formation fairly well. But you have to be able to take a step back because probably that platoon sergeant, that PL, and those squad leaders, they're emotionally involved. Okay, at the end of the day, ex-soldier still did this. And you got to have kind of that holistic point so that, you not be, so that you can necessarily hang the soldier out to dry so that you can ask the questions that no one else is asking. Because that platoon sergeant, he's thinking that was going to, that guy was going to go to the promotion board or he's a VC gunner. God, I had to replace him. We got platoon live fires coming, you know. So it's like an emotional cued kind of response as far as that goes. And you as a first sergeant, you need to be able to take that step back. I think I struggled that at times as a first sergeant. But I remember I had a sergeant major that one time said, don't ever come to me and say, but he's a good guy. I'm instantly going to know that you're emotionally involved and that I probably don't want to take your feedback because you're not thinking logically. Yep. It was a good advice, and I've always thought about that ever since. So, sir, when we talk about the troop commander and the first sergeant relationship, do you have a story where you can kind of highlight that? So I had two first sergeants while I was in company command, one for the first year, one for the second year. So my first year in command, my relationship with my first sergeant wasn't everything that I wanted it to be. Uh, started out good. As time progressed, I think we both kind of failed in different ways. He was a bit disengaged and because he was disengaged, I became disengaged. Unfortunately, that that Strain was that relationship. Yeah, it did. It really did. And and it, and it hurt the company, I think, in a lot of ways. Then my second company went in with a new first sergeant. I think he was on his third company as a first sergeant. And it was kind of a turnaround scenario where the company wasn't in, in great shape and we were going in there to try to fix it together. We started off like, hey, we've got to we've got to have a great relationship here. I actually brought my um, counseling that I that I gave my first sergeants when I was in company command with me. And where it talks about the commander and first sergeant relationship and how and how I tried to approach that, especially the second time, um, the number one thing was complete. Complete trust and loyalty. We need to be seen together often. Uh, there's no officer 
business or NCO business when it comes to the commander and first sergeant. It's all leader business. And yeah, we absolutely. both need to have an equal understanding of everything that's going on in the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. When it comes to decision making, I don't want to make any decisions without my first sergeant's input. And I don't want to have to drag that out of him either. No, uh, absolutely. Because I don't have yeah. time to go hunt him down. Like I need him to be there and offer me candid feedback, you know, his candid assessment on what's what's going on, the decision I'm trying to make. And then understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses each other's priorities and blind spots. And that's huge because if you can pick up the slack where your partner's weak, or if you can make yourself be interested in something that that they're not interested in, then you can catch a lot of those things that might fall by the wayside. If you're a first sergeant and you have a commander who's just not interested in training your vehicle crews, then that might be something where you as a first sergeant need to put a little bit extra effort, extra attention into what kind of training those crews are getting because your commander is focused elsewhere. And he may have a good reason for that, but you have to understand those those blind spots and try to help compensate. And that goes both ways. The last thing is cross-leveling information. I wanted to, and we did sit down in private pretty regularly with no actual agenda. It was just a time to talk and see where the conversation went. It would go all kinds of places that you wouldn't go if you said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna meet weekly and we're gonna talk about X, Y, and Z. So you've gotta have those types of touch points with your with your commander if you're gonna be effective, I think. That's good, I appreciate that. And I think uh, on a couple different troop commanders, you know, when I was at that level, you know, there was a point when uh, my relationship was strained with one of my troop commanders. It was absolutely my fault. And uh, it literally took um, you know, him coming to my office, closing the doors, putting a beer on my desk, and I sit down and figuring it out. And it really what it boiled down to is just a miscommunication of my passion, you know, and something that I was very passionate about that was being misconstrued because of my immaturity. Um, and sometimes that's going to happen because of all the workload and all the things that you have to do, you're going to get strained at times. And you've got to just know, hey, and recognize it and have the maturity and the wherewithal to go, we got to sit down and we got to kind of figure this out. So my first sergeant story is about uh, Sergeant Major Bernie Felino. Okay, so Sergeant Major Bernie Felino, um, I've known him for a long time. And we, uh, he was a platoon sergeant in another troop, uh, but eventually he was my first sergeant. And it ties back into the thing that uh, First Sergeant Ronaldo was talking about about compassion. So my second son Keaton. When he was born, uh, he's pretty sick. You know, he had a lot of different things. He had probably about two weeks after he was born, um, he was back in the hospital. Um, and they really didn't know what was going on. And then also they did an x-ray of him and they found a bunch of lumps. It was just kind of a crazy time because they didn't know what was going on. There was just tons of specialists in there, but no one was telling us anything. In the middle of all this, I go to the company. I'm handling some emails and making some phone calls. I'm talking to the PL. I'm talking with the squad leaders and everything else. And I'm walking through the troop hallway right by the first sergeant's office. And he just yells at me. He's like, Burke, get in here. And I go in there and he's like, what are you doing here? If I see you in this troop again, you're fired. I'm like, well, no, like, no. If your platoon can't run without you around, what good is it anyway? And this is not your focus right now. Your son is your focus. Get the hell out of here. And I don't want to see you again until Keaton's released from the hospital. Of course, I walked away and I'm pissed. But I remember, you know, and then conversations later, and he eventually was my SAR major when I was a first SAR. And, you know, through many years of our relationship, he explained it to me, man, listen, everybody knew that your son was in the hospital going through some very serious stuff. And they see you prioritizing work ahead of that, then that's going to get emulated. And other people are going to do the same thing. And there's going to be kind of that ex same expectation. There was nothing so important that you could not have been there with your son. And it ties into so many things that you brought up right at the beginning for Sarn. He knew me well enough. 
He knew my situation well enough. He knew what was going on of what was important and what I needed to prioritize. Quite frankly, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know, quite frankly, if my son had cancer. And I will tell you that uh, when I became a first arm, I kept that story in the back of my mind at all times. I wanted to first know my soldiers well enough. You know, I could, you know, have touch points where I could reach down and I could do something similar when somebody was going through a hard time. But then also at the same time, I knew what was going on and I could be proactive about it. And I could sit down that person, I could say, hey, okay, this is going on in your life. You go take care of that. That is your priority. We will call you if we need you, or you call if you need something from us. We will routinely check on you and make sure you're okay, but you go focus on that. All right, going around the horn. If you had to tell a first sergeant one thing right now, what would you tell him? Be the last troop the enemy would want to face, but the first troop that others would want to work with. Nice. Uh, I like that. I think the other thing uh, would be, you know, understanding, and you already said it early, earlier today, but importance versus urgent, because there's a lot of things that the first sergeant is going to have the ability to not go and see and do. Uh, but the level of impact of going to a BLC graduation that a first sergeant has on that newly selected specialist promotable to sergeant is unbelievable. Only you can be at those things. And because of something else going on that may just be urgent, make sure you're at those important things because it, it will make a difference in your organization. Sir? The first sergeant is responsible for a lot. You could even say he's responsible for everything. But the first sergeant's first and most important responsibility is training. And if the first sergeant is not spending the majority of their time at training, spending the majority of their time with soldiers, then they're doing something wrong. So untie yourself from your desk, untie yourself from your emails and your phone and get out there and be with the soldiers. All right. Love your troopers. I define love in, in biblical terms. Patient, kind, does not envy, boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Like all of these things encompass love. And if you're rude and arrogant, nobody's going to want to follow you, right? And it's not irritable, resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. That goes back to the discipline. And it rejoices with the truth, right? We, we want our soldiers to give us honest assessments of where they are. The best way to get at that is, you know what? Love them and try to build them up. If I had to tell first sergeant one thing before he takes a gun on, be humble. At the end of the day, you're a soldier first. We're all soldiers first. And in order to properly lead your troop, battery, or company, you need to keep your soldiers in mind first. And everything that you do is contributing towards their success and their development and where they'll go in the future. So hopefully in this podcast, I think we talked about a lot of just great leadership principles. Not only do I encourage first sergeants to all listen to this podcast, but I, every soldier in 2CR as well for a couple different reasons. One, for your professional development for when you are a first sergeant or a senior NCO someday. But then also to hold your first sergeant accountable because we have to have a culture of accountability. And we have to have a culture where we expect things from each other. We sharpen each other, you know, as kind of the adage goes, steel sharpens steel so that we can all collectively get better. So hopefully this podcast kind of helped in that pursuit. Really want to thank all three of you for coming in. I think this is some great content, tons of little leadership principles that can be geared towards every single leader in the Dragoon family and all the external people that also listen to this podcast. This is Dragoon 7, signing off. Thank you.